Let's try this again. No more testing. I'm gonna be yelling. I'm gonna be talking normally, <laughs> which is about the same volume. Welcome back to the Christ and Culture. This is Gordon. And this is Steve. Yeah. It's been like 10 months, but I'm alive. Who's counting? Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. For anyone who's joined the podcast as a listener recently and has only been keeping up like up-to-date episodes, this is our, our third co-host. He was actually on this podcast before I was ever on this podcast. Yeah, I started this podcast with Clint and realistically like Clint started it with me, probably more this is his brainchild. And Gordon just listened to like all of our episodes and then we were just like, hey, do you want to be on this podcast so that, you know, it's not two people having to do all the work? And then I was like, haha, sucker. And then I ran away. Yeah, yeah, just like, what is it? Catholic stuff you should know, they have like mm -hmm. multiple hosts because as we've learned, and as Steve has learned lately, life happens. Yeah. And so I, I came along, and then life happened, and it's just been a while since, especially with quarantine, but other just, like, work and distance. We, yeah. we don't, I mean, we all live in Houston, sort of, but we don't live relatively close to each other. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm probably 45 minutes yeah. into the city, and then I have a job that's a little more time consuming but yeah it was uh it's so, good to be back i mean it, it kind of feels like a homecoming now there's probably a lot of listeners who have no idea who i am but it's good to be back and i have missed the christ and culture community yeah how have you i mean we've been to be, we've been able to talk to the listeners about how quarantine has been affecting us how has all this going on been for steve sherman oh gosh our amateur theologian yes very amateur honestly I would say quarantine has been a wild ride for me, emotionally. I have found that in the beginning of quarantine, I should say, I used to live alone. I have a roommate now, and so that's been good. But for somebody like me who's sort of naturally social, although I say that and I lived alone for like a year and I would just sit in my apartment most of the time and just like watch Netflix... And, and read and things like that. So quarantine's been good. I actually have kind of picked up reading again, which has been really nice. But I've certainly sort of endured a lot of loneliness. And I would say that quarantine has sat very heavy on my heart for a lot of reasons. So on one hand, and for those of you who don't know who I am, what I do for a living, but I work with the pro-life movement, on one hand, I think what we're doing with quarantine is actually a beautiful thing. As a society, we are truly living sacrificial lives for the most vulnerable in society. And I think that we've, we as a society and a culture have banded together to do that for, for as long as we did, to, to actually sacrifice our own comforts for those who uh, were vulnerable to this disease, I think is, is a good. And it gives me a lot of hope just that, that people are inherently good in that way. On the flip side, I have watched a lot of families uh, kind of fall apart. I've witnessed, you know, I've been worried about some of my own family members doing something drastic. I've seen people lose their jobs. 
you know, we as Catholics believe that, you know, God has preferential treatment for the poor. And there's a lot of people who are basically effectively, you know, without jobs, almost homeless. Maybe they have some savings to keep things afloat, but completely, but they're trying to provide for their families, but now they're without job. And so, um, the whole reopening, I certainly understand that side too. And I think there's a balance that needed to be struck. And, you know, I saw a lot of the mental health issues that happened. I had a friend of mine tell me uh, she was a missionary and one of her teammates' brothers unfortunately committed suicide. So I'm not going to mention on air any of that, but please just keep that intention and that family in your in your prayers. But when that happened, it really, really struck me of what's what's going on at the heart of this whole quarantine. I'm not going get, to get too much into it because that's what we're going to kind of talk about in our podcast today. But yeah, I've, I've had to reflect. And one of the things I've reflected on a lot, um, being alone in quarantine, is sort of the theology of loneliness. But before we sort of crack that open, and I talk a lot, which is par for the course, Gordon, how have you been dealing with quarantine? I think your situation's been very different because you got married. I did. And then quarantine happened. Yeah. I think I've talked about this a little bit on here, but it's been... It's, like you said, really a wild ride. When all this first started unfolding, you know, even months after it was, it really started unfolding like other places, I didn't take it seriously. And then Lizzie was always kind of just like anxious and and a little paranoid and freaking out. Mm -hmm. And I'd have to like calm her and then churches shut down and like everything shut down. And I was like, okay. And I started taking it serious and I was very extreme social distancing and all that and... uh, and it's just, I've, it's been waves of, you know, even, even together, just like loneliness too, of like from the world, yeah. of waves of stress, waves of great, like I need to pray more, I need to like get more into my faith, especially in, during this time of, of, of retreat, of, of being quarantined to moments of extreme laziness and uh, a screwed up sleep cycle and routine and just... Yeah, each week is totally different than the next. And so, I don't know. It's It's been good. It's been bad. It's been definitely ex- an experience. It certainly has been. I, I will I will say that. Have you been Have you been taking anything in during, during yes. the quarantine? Yes, thank you. Yes, so I've read uh, several books sort of through quarantine. And obviously we've watched like TV shows and movies, me and my roommate. I don't know if there's anything like particularly striking well, about think... some of the shows like oh, that I okay. can think of necessarily. Yeah. The books that I have read, uh, I have read Man and Women, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body by John Paul II. Arguably my favorite nonfiction book. And I say <laughs> arguably meaning 100%. Anyone who's listened to me on the podcast knows that I just like to rant about things like that a lot. Um, and then I read uh, from... Henry Nouwen, who is Nouwen, Nouwen? Nouwen. Nouwen, yeah. yeah. Henry Nouwen. Uh, so anyway, I read a book by Henry Nouwen, who is a priest, uh, called The Wounded Healer. Okay. And that was a really good book. Yeah. Um, and then I had started reading Return of the Prodigal Son by the same author. So good. And it's a really good book, but I haven't finished it yeah. quite yet, um, just because life happened and it's just been sort of crazy. But, yeah, I would say that that's really what I've been taking in and, you know, bar turning this talk into one about, you know, theology of the body, which 
you know, I can do any time, all the time. What have you been intaking? Not, not a, I mean, not a lot since I, la- I last recorded I, I, everything uh, from the last episode, the one that just came out today uh, that we're recording. Um, it's pretty much the same, I think, because me and Lizzie have kind of ended a bunch of shows or all the movies we kind of watched at the beginning of this week. The main thing has been we're on the third season of The Masked Singer, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I've mentioned in previous podcasts before. We just started it back up in the final season, and we've just been kind of like watching that one or two episodes a night before we go to bed. So nice. it's been, we hate that we love that show. Yeah. We don't like reality TV or certain things like that, but we checked it out and we shouldn't have, and we are hooked. Um, so. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll say something a little bit different media-wise. Um, one of the things that I've picked back up in quarantine uh, is I've started playing The Sims again. Uh, um, yes. Because there's nothing quite like simulating a life where I get to go out and socialize. You know, when you're stuck at home, you're just like, well, let me just make a virtual Steve and he can go have friends, you know. And um, so I've done that a little bit. It was a little fun. I did that a little bit more in the beginning of quarantine. Uh, and then I basically said no. So quarantine was very difficult for me in terms of when quarantine first started, I had to take vacation from work. Like I was, I saw a vacation from 2019 because I work and don't really ever take breaks unless like it's, you know, a holiday or something like that. So I don't like take vacations generally, uh, which is my problem. Right. <laughs> I should, I should rest. I should take time for myself, but I think it's more common than not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I kind of work in a cause that's very dear to my heart. And right. so like, I don't, I always feel a little guilty being like, let me take time for myself when there's injustice happening in the world. Uh, but I had to take it by the end of March. And so I took it and I was originally planning on flying home. And then everything with COVID came out and I wasn't sure what was going on. At that time, we were still in my office, but quarantine was just sort of beginning. And so when everything happened, businesses and such started shutting down. Yeah. And I didn't want to fly home because I wasn't sure... Like, if I was going to, like, I didn't want to end up flying up to Pittsburgh to see my family and then them canceling all flights, me being stuck up there and then not being able to get back to work if they wanted me back in the office. And so it kind of got this really weird dynamic. In hindsight, it could have gone up and I would be home for like a month. I also had like moved during that time, which was a really weird situation to like have to move an entire apartment to another apartment in the midst of like quarantine. And at that time it was like, you could get fine, Mm -hmm. like being out on the streets. And so it was really, really strange, but it was hard because I basically now had nothing. Like I was just home alone for an entire week. And it kind of got me thinking a little bit about the theology of loneliness. Um, And so I guess I approached you and some of the other guys from our Exodus group. Yeah, it was during Holy Week. Yeah. That you, it was right in the midst or after you had finished the uh, the book that you just said you were reading. Which one, Wounded Healer or Theology of the Body? The Theology of the Body. Oh, yes, because, In the midst yeah. of that during Lent, and you shared it, and I actually shared this on the podcast, it was either the episode right before holy right after holy week or the one that came out and i shared that you would you would mention like studying the theology of loneliness during holy week and that made really helped me enter into theology Mm -hmm. of loneliness then you've we've been actually trying for about three weeks now to record this podcast together and yeah you came to me and you're like i want to do that but i don't know what media to intake and i was like 
I got tons of movies that are sort of based on loneliness, and so we started looking some up, some up, and and I ended up pulling two off my shelf, and you picked one, which is a movie dear to my heart. It's one of my favorite movies. It's definitely like up there in my my top five. Uh, I just like when everyone someone's like, let's watch a movie, or I just meet someone. I just want to recommend it or sit down and watch it with them because. It's just fun to watch them watch this movie. It's it's definitely, as Clint would say, a Gordon movie. It's bizarre. It, this podcast reminds me a lot of when me and Clint did Mr. Nobody. When he came over to the Mallards when I was living there, and we watched this movie, and it ended, and Clint was like, do you know what you want to do with this podcast? Because I have no idea how to take this. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, yeah. Yeah, but the movie is called Swiss Army Man, and... Uh, before we jump in, just hot takes on the movie. Yeah, hot takes on the movie. One, um, if you were a listener and you have small children at home, probably not the best movie to watch with them. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely adult some adult content and conversations. I mean, it's, it's a rated R film, I believe. It? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just with discretion, it's yeah, not definitely. While it's, it, I mean, it doesn't like show anything particularly bad, but it definitely discusses some. Yeah, it just discusses themes around those things. Doesn't. Yeah, uh, yeah. and. I don't believe we should be jumping into too much of that on this No, this episode. podcast. No, no, I just wanted to so. preface that if someone was like, yeah. that seems like an interesting movie to watch. No, and, totally. Yeah, like just just obviously bear that in mind. Uh, hot takes on the movie. Weird movie, man. I mean, good. It was a good movie. I enjoyed the movie. It was funny. It definitely had some very base humor, but also like kind of intelligent with some things. It was a little philosophical. It was definitely very much weird. At the very end, I was just like, I just want to know it's real. And Gordon's response was, nothing's real, man. It's just a movie. And I was like, all right, well, that's not what I meant. But it was. I thought it was good. It, it was, I thought it definitely touched on some of the themes that I wanted to touch on. Um, but... What do you? What do you? What are your hot takes? Do you have anything you wanted to add before I? I mean, I love the movie. I remember going and seeing it in theaters with my family, and it was totally fifty-fifty. Mm-hmm. Like, Dad thought it was bizarre. Me and my brother, like, and my sister, like, laughed and thought it was hilarious and weird. And my brother's girlfriend at the time hated it. Mm-hmm. She was like, "This was a waste of my time yeah. and money." But. One thing that I love about this movie is I was watching interviews when it first came out, and the guy that made it, Daniels, really was two guys. When they, they wrote this movie based off of everything they hate to see in a movie. Like, these people hate, like, acapella music or songs in the backgrounds. They hate, like, those kind of scores. They hate fart jokes. They hate, like, silly one-off humor. Um, and they're like, how about we take all the stuff that we hate and put it together and see if we can create something. <laughs> and that's what sparked this movie. It, yeah, it's an interesting movie. Okay, so I just need to get on my soapbox and high horse for just one moment, and then I will I will get down. So this movie stars Daniel Radcliffe, yes. uh, a.k.a. the man who played Harry Potter. Yes. And so Daniel Radcliffe, as an actor, is... I think a really interesting guy, and he seems really cool. Like, I would actually like to meet him because he just seems like a very interesting person. But, like, some of his roles after Harry Potter are, like, are wild. Like, he's got a wild ride, you know? And, um, 
one of the things that I just wanted to, wanted to talk about, just because it, 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 I was actually talking about this. Funny enough, I did not come over here today to watch this movie, because we literally just finished watching the movie and Correct. recording this podcast. Yeah. I did not expect to necessarily watch that movie when I came over, but I was just talking about that movie the other night with my friends. Might have even been last night. Or last weekend. Time really... Uh, <laughs> That's confusing. Yeah. Time's wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, something like that, right? But what I will say is we were talking about it, and we were talking about... Specifically, we were talking about Daniel Radcliffe and how he was kind of typecasted because we were talking about Harry Potter in general. And, um, oh, you know what? I think I was talking to the Seckfords about it. Okay. I was over their house on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was, we were just kind of talking and I was saying how he played in these different weird movies and how he he definitely was trying to, um, I think, break away from being typecasted. And then I remember like, a while back he was in like some like sex scene or something like that and people got like in such a such a um they basically they were not happy with it uproar uproar that's the word i'm looking for yeah they got into an uproar we're taking a selfie and i remember people were like oh this is so weird this is so bad like you know we grew up watching this kid grow up like this is so inappropriate like this is harry potter this is ruining everything and then i was like on the same token we also watched uh Emma Watson grow up her entire life, and she's probably one of the most overly sexualized women uh, in the modern era. In terms of, like, she doesn't really allow herself necessarily to be that way, and she speaks out against it profoundly, but that, like, men do do that. Right. And it's just, this is not what the podcast is about, but I was just talking about this the other day, and we watched the movie, and I feel like since we were just talking about me reading Theology of the Body, I feel like I needed to stand out here and just basically talk about that double standard and just how you know we should stop sexualizing women in general like they're people and there shouldn't be this weird double standard and we should probably just not do that it's a bad thing like women are people anyway i don't know why i wanted to get on that high horse i just felt like i needed to specifically just because i've i've been uh, reading a lot of articles <laughs> about theology of the body and sort of like from fightthenewdrug.com which is sort of like an anti-porn site yeah it's great um and just uh i actually found a new one that you told me about called what was it 1924 1924 did you yeah, check it out yeah, i checked it out i'm really into them and super so super cool yeah super super cool stuff uh and so i don't know i've just been surrounding myself with this recently um and my heart sort of breaks for these young women that um find themselves in really difficult situations and then i've kind of been diving a little bit into like more learning about the connection between the porn industry and human trafficking um and it just it breaks my heart and so i just feel like as a good you know ally to women (laughs) i should at least get up here and be like here's a very clear imagery of double standard that exists in society um and at least by calling attention to it hopefully it, it it stirs some change i don't know Regardless, loneliness, which is actually what we're talking about today. Yes. So like I said, it was Holy Week, exactly. And again, I, w- I was talking to, to one of my my friends who's a focused missionary. She's actually been in this podcast before, Mackenzie, and she's a convert. And she was basically talking to me about, you know, she was very heartbroken during Holy Week because, like I said, she's a convert. She's coming into the anniversary of her coming into the church, and her heart kind of broke for these other people 
cate- like the catechumens that aren't becoming Catholic that, that this year because of quarantine and sort of the isolation that that is. And, and it kind of led to this discussion about obviously like we miss receiving Jesus, but at the same time, like obviously like we're forgoing this for a good. And so it's this, you know, this dynamic that, that maybe this sacrifice and maybe we can still we can still receive him spiritually and when we received him last it's not like that grace isn't still with us like god's grace is sufficient for what it uh for all time right and so it's not like that grace just wears off after a week right we we have that grace until we next can receive in good faith right and then i my roommate's actually really good friends with a guy who was a catechumen and so he had a really interesting topic on that about how he, he is getting married soon uh, he is engaged, and his fiance is now not able to receive, and she's Catholic. And so now it's this weird thing where, like, they think it's actually beautiful that when they both first receive for the first time, they'll both have gone an extended period of time without receiving Jesus. And so the reason that came up is because I know, like, I know she had felt very isolated in that situation, and then I had been thinking about the theology of loneliness anyway, and I think there was something about people even being isolated from Christ, like from receiving Jesus, that that I think gave us a unique opportunity to experience him in a new way. So to crack that open a little bit, one of the things with the theology of loneliness that has always stuck to my heart is that the, the longing that we feel for Christ, right? And so like when we weren't able to receive Jesus for a long period of time, that longing we have to receive him, the loneliness we feel in our hearts, that that desire that seems like there's no one or nothing that can really fulfill that just that loneliness is our roadmap back back to our father like it is the the loneliness we feel the longing we feel is christ's longing for us on the cross yeah it is the father's longing for us to return home and so i think sometimes we talk about loneliness because loneliness is a painful experience but it's it's an experience that reminds us that there's something more Right. That there's a final destination, that there is something that can fulfill that desire in our hearts. Yeah. And so I just want to kind of hear what you have to say about that before we sort of go a little deeper. Yeah. Well, I remember when you shared the theology of loneliness, like I said previously, it was, it was during Holy Week. And for me, it was just helpful because I felt like everyone in, in whatever situation just felt alone. Mm. Like whether they were literally uh, living alone mm. in quarantine or whether they were alone as parents who were stuck with their kids inside all the time and that was driving them crazy or whether you're alone in a a relationship but at distance or just Mm -hmm. like just you were alone you felt alone in a situation and the irony is you weren't but then that made me just like really connect with how alone jesus was in his passion Mm. and like and in Mm -hmm. the sense that like you know at the last supper he broke bread and gave his body and blood and shared that mm-hmm. to these people that he knew as soon as he was getting arrested the next day were going to leave him mm-hmm. and f- founded the church on the guy that he knew was going to deny him right after his pat or like leading up to his passion and like all these things that even though they were like with him sitting at his side like we see in the in the famous painting he was completely alone yeah no one understood him and he was alone so that like you said when we feel alone we 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 can remember that he carried that for us and it brings us back. And it's this, it's really ironic that um, the old intro that actually Clint talked about in the last episode to this podcast and, you know, the reason kind of like Clint and Steve started this was because, like, all our desires and all of our things that we intake 
lead us to Christ. But I think what's powerful is realizing even even the negative emotions we feel, like loneliness, mm-hmm. are also those roadmaps that lead us to Christ. Yeah. It's like we usually talk about just like, well, this is really because we desire happiness. And so what we're really seeking is God. That's what we usually talk about. But we're not saying like loneliness is that roadmap too. Yeah. Um, and before we get too deep, I just want to break open the movie, just like the plot real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just so that seems somewhat relevant to you guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this isn't just an excuse for me to rant. Well, it, it kind is, of is, but because it's been a while, so he's got a lot to say. <laughs> Basically, there's Daniel Radcliffe, like he was saying, and another character. I always forget his name, but he's from like a few indie movies. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. Hold, please. It is Danny, something Dano. Yeah, something Dano. Paul Dano. Yeah, Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. And that's mostly the two characters that you need to worry about. And Paul Dano is. For what it seems like for the most of the movie, stranded and lost in like the woods or an island or something, mm-hmm. and finds Daniel Radcliffe, who is a dead man, and so it's Hank yeah. and Manny, and the dead man eventually starts talking, and they have a relationship, and he becomes his multi-purpose tool man, where he can cut rope with his teeth and guide him where he needs to go. Almost like and a Swiss Army man. It was, it was called Swiss Army man. He's a Swiss Army knife. He can shoot things. He can light fires. It's and the whole thing is he's so he's been so isolated and so alone that it's like is he going crazy or not? And and in the end, the big reveal is that Daniel Radcliffe is the, his version of himself. His ideal version of himself mm-hmm. um, and he's he's being able to teach him how to be brave and how to do all those things where him actually is not and so i think what's powerful actually ironic and powerful about this episode is is speaking about loneliness mm-hmm. just like you were talking about earlier when you talk about daniel radcliffe and harry potter and like men the way we view men versus women and like Mm-hmm. Some of those things, it's like oh, I, I don't really, need, didn't really need to mention that on here, but it's great to talk about it. Like you said, yeah. I just want to talk about it just because maybe that'll help. Because in the movie, the main character didn't want to address any of his issues. Yeah. And the only time he did is when he found a dead body to talk to. Yeah. Um, and he was he was only like he was trying to get the dead body to remember his life. And every time Daniel Radcliffe was like, "What about you?" and he's like, "This isn't about me. Mm-hmm. This is about you." Yeah. But in retrospect everything we do is also like about us right and so there's two quotes that i thought i that that came from the movie most of the quotes from the movie are um probably not something that like really are super relevant on a catholic podcast i would say but uh one of the really good quotes was hank is talking to manny and he has this quote where he says before the internet every girl was a lot more special and i thought that was a really profound sentence because one on on one hand you can get into like how pornography completely warps our views right uh but on the other hand even like social media right yeah um that just shows like the best of everyone and 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 i had read an article a long time ago about how social media actually breaks down relationships or potential relationships and obviously pornography does this to an even further extent to where it warps our perceptions of others and it gives us this idea that there's always something better and so we don't we don't become satisfied or we don't allow ourselves to enter into a potential relationship with a potential person and not even just romantically but just in general we 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 build up these walls because we see the best of everyone's lives and so we become less content with our own and we become less content with others and it and the article that i read was basically about how 
that mindset becomes a, what am I looking for? And is this, what is this person offering me? Like, does this person offer something to me? And what the article was sort of making the point of is that's not a good way to enter relationships and that's not good relationship with other humans. That relationship is about what you can give to the other. And so when you enter into a relationship, you shouldn't have this mindset of like, is this the ideal person? What can they give me? Because there's always somebody better in some way, shape or form. And it just leads us to further loneliness when in reality we should, as we're sort of building friendships and potential relationships with others, and you could probably speak on this a little bit more because you're actually the married one here, <laughs> that it's about what can I provide that person? Like how can I give of myself? Not what can I take, but what can I give? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Duly buried. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, no, it, it's... I think that you don't have to be married to understand that. I think we've all had relationships, and even if, I mean, you're an only child? I am an only child. Yeah, I was about to say, is, even, we even have siblings, and I was yeah, like, oh. yeah. but, uh, well, This so, is why I study relationships <laughs> so hard, because I didn't have years of practice. <laughs> but even with our parents and all these things, like, there's always a give and take in every relationship, where growing up, you know, especially once we're in our teenage years, we butt heads with our parents, and we yeah. don't understand that what they're trying to do is for the best mm-hmm. of, of us. And even with God, yeah, we have we struggle with that, and it's like that's I think we we take way more than we give in that relationship, oh. and it's crazy yeah. because he's doing nothing but giving. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and it takes practice. Like mm-hmm. I, I was able to learn over quarantine. Like it's been really beautiful spending it with Lizzie and like being newly newlyweds in quarantine because we just instead of like spending the last hours of the day like catching up and talking we've been spending all day doing mm-hmm. that but at the same time because we've been doing that you know there was one point where she was like talking about on the phone when they'd call and then she'd be like oh yeah i'm struggling with this i'm like what yeah. i had no idea you were struggling with that but i was like but also i've been with you all day today and i haven't asked yeah where typically i would come home from a long day and not seen you and i would ask like hey how are you doing how's mm-hmm. your day and so um sometimes you can just get too comfortable and numb in a relationship and yeah. uh, allow that to foster. Yeah. John Paul II would say when love becomes routine, right? That's exactly, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what's happened. Um, I kind of, I kind of want to go, go a little bit back to what, to, to something you were saying, um, that sort of struck me as well. And I'll, I'll mention sort of this quote and then, and then we'll kind of crack it open a little bit. So there's another quote where Hank's kind of talking about this girl that he is sort of infatuated with. Uh, and he's talking to Manny about it, and he's saying, Every day you ride the bus and count the minutes, hoping you'll see her again. She smiles, you feel a little strange tingle in the back of your neck, something carnal inside you causes your body to break out in sweats. You feel like the luckiest man in the world. She sits alone, just like every other day, and looks out the window, lost in her thoughts. You know that look. She's just as alone as you are. But she doesn't have to be. You could talk to her, tell her you'd love to sit next to her and every other day, because life is short and no one deserves to ride the bus alone. And, and so... There's this, there's this sense, too, that I had noticed where, you know, when we're talking about sort of love and we're kind of talking about loneliness, that there's, there's even this sense where we can be surrounded by others and still feel lonely, like still feel isolated, like this isolation from others um, on like an emotional sense. And I think we uh, as Americans sometimes have that tendency a lot more, like because we vulnerability or like breaking down our walls and allowing people in is sometimes a little bit harder sometimes and then we we end up we can be in a room surrounded by people but feel utterly alone and 
that tied into something you said, but I don't remember exactly what you said that no, kind of okay. got me on that tangent. I, something two two things from the movie that I thought of mm-hmm. that tie into that real well is on that same scene. Mm-hmm. So essentially, he's trying to jog the dead guy's memory mm-hmm. so he can figure out how to get home, and the dead guy is like a grown man, but he's like a toddler where he doesn't know anything, he doesn't know what life is, doesn't know yeah. what poop is, like crazy stuff. And so he's teaching him everything, and so. He, he creates this bus situation, try to spark his memory of what that mm-hmm. quote you just read. And Manny, the dead guy's just like, hey, everybody. And he's like, no, you can't talk to everyone on the bus. Like, mm-hmm. everyone minds their own business. Yeah. They look at you weird. And, you know, I used to ride, like, the subway to school and stuff all the time in Georgia. And it's true. Like, you're either reading a book or you have your headphones in. And usually the one person that's talking to everybody is either someone that needs money or, or someone who's mm-hmm. just like, everyone kind of like looks and like is either like sketched out or something and there's it just it's interesting because you're surrounded by so many people on this bus yeah but everyone is in their own world they don't want to talk Mm -hmm. to someone to to you or anything and then the other thing that made me think of what you're talking about like of of being with people but alone is is manny just starts like trying to diagnose hank and like it's just saying stuff and he's like stop you can't just say everything that comes into your head Mm -hmm. that's bad talking and I think that's definitely something that we believe, where you can't just be uh, brutally honest with people. Yeah. They don't want that. Yeah. And so... Or just to be authentic right. to yourself. And so yeah. we instead, we put headphones in our ears and listen to our podcasts and create our own worlds, and we don't say the things that we think. Mm-hmm. Like, we're probably more... Lizzie's really good about this, where she goes out of her way when she's like, oh my gosh, her waitress is beautiful. That when the waitress comes back, she's like, I just want to let you know. Like, she's really good at just like complimenting people and like engaging. Yeah. And I'm not. And it's just like r- rough to be out and want to like tell a stranger, like, hey, I love your style. Because mm-hmm. you don't know if they're going to receive that well. Right. Um, and that's what like Hank struggles with this whole movie of just being his authentic self. And he's, he's alone in that and he's isolated. And he's also, um, I- ironically, he's not free. Yeah. And we don't see that freedom until the end of the movie. Yeah. And so I kind of want to get in, into that a little bit. So there's this, there's a sense, and kind of talking what you're saying about that sort of isolation and, and not and wanting to be in our own world. I mean, how often do we drive down the street and see a homeless man and just ignore them because it's uncomfortable to love them? Yeah. That I think it's, it's precisely when it's uncomfortable to love that the Lord is probably calling us to love the most. It's easy to love when it's easy. Uh, it's hard to love when it's a sacrifice or it's uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, so that sort of freedom. So, and that's actually kind of what I wanted to talk about, about being, you know, you can be surrounded by people. And, and what I wanted to tie that into is even like sort of social media, right? That sort of whole, whole sort of idea of uh, you can have a thousand followers, you can have a million followers and subscribers, but you feel alone, right? Because you're, you're not presenting an authentic version of yourself. And ultimately that leads to a slavery. That authentic love is the only thing that truly frees us. Uh, and I think that authentic love with Christ specifically is what gives us freedom. Like we can truly be ourselves to him. It's in, it's in facing our own vulnerabilities that we stop putting on a mask and pretending we're something we're not. Yeah. I kind of want to side, side tangent a little bit and go back to something that you would discuss unless you have something further you want to expand on there. Not on there, no. I have something else, but okay. we'll go with what you were saying first, or what you want to crack open. Uh, I wanted to kind of actually go back a little bit to Holy Week when okay. we were talking about that. Yeah, let's do that. So when I first really experienced the theology 
of loneliness. Yes. It was a talk that I'd received. Uh, it was a, one of those Lighthouse Catholic media CDs. Um, and I forget particularly what priest was talking about it, but it was, it was called Glimpses on the Way of the Cross. And it was specifically about, uh, it was just touched on the Stations of the Cross a little bit, a couple of the scenes. And this priest was talking about loneliness and specifically what you were talking about. So I really wanted to tie that in because it was really cool when you started talking about your reflections on it because that was sort of the same thing that I had been reflecting on um, and that I had heard from this talk is that when you look at Christ's passion narrative, I mean, it talks about the physical things Christ endured, but it doesn't go into excruciating detail on them. Like we have come and provided medical analysis of what truly Christ has endured, but it doesn't really go too much into that in scripture. Like it right. just says that he was scourged. It yeah. says, you know, um, it, it says what happened, but what's really expanded on is the humiliation Christ endures and the profound loneliness of Christ on the way to the cross. That the only apostle at the foot of the cross was was John. Right. Um, that the rest fled. And so the, the way of the cross has this sort of loneliness to it. And this priest was talking about how when he became a priest, he knew he was giving something up, like something beautiful. He knew he was giving up marriage, right? He knew he was living continence for the kingdom, uh, as John Paul II would say. He was living a different reality, but he knew that was something he was sacrificing for something good. Right. And his first confession, the Lord had comforted him very well. There was a there was a man who was very active in the parish. His family was very active in the parish. They were a good, holy, like the ideal Catholic family, like very active. And he sat down in confession and he gave a big sigh and he said, Father, it is a lonely life to live as a married man. And that led this priest on this, what does loneliness mean? And so oftentimes I feel like we experience loneliness even because the, the fact of the matter is, and you can attest to this a little bit more, even our spouses don't know us fully. Like they may know us well, but um, no other person can truly know us in our entirety. And in a lot of ways, we surprise ourselves. So we don't even necessarily know ourselves fully. Um, but Christ is the only one who sees us in our entirety. God is the only one who sees us in our entirety and can fulfill the loneliness in our heart. And one of the things that this priest had said that really struck through to me uh, was, you know, we all suffer from loneliness, and so we all want to fill that void. And sometimes we fill it with people who can never fulfill our loneliness. Right. Uh, you know, to expect another person to solve the loneliness of our heart, to bear that burden, to carry the cross of our loneliness is a horrible burden. To place on another person right um, and that the only person able to carry that burden is Christ yeah Christ on the cross who's longing for us who's crying out to us on the cross for reconciliation to his heart like when we unite our loneliness to his longing is the only time that 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 meshes right yeah I mean I think he kind of hit it on the head I I'm gonna I'm gonna flip that to so you're talking about uh, you're talking about uh, investing 
like taking our, our loneliness and, and like kind of be like, hey, mm-hmm. handle this for me. Yeah. And yeah, putting that in, in stock of other people uh, or, or vices or things mm-hmm. like that. On the flip side, I think another thing that is very common um, and uh, and is seen in this movie is is seeing someone who's alone and making them a project. Yeah, like thinking that you you can carry that burden and mm-hmm. fix it, and that's like literally what. Hank does with Manny when he finds a dead body and assumes that he's alone and needs to be he he fit and the reason is there's a quote and in, in near the end of the movie where Hank shares with Manny how alone he is that uh, you know his mom passed away when he was a kid and since then his dad and, and him have had a great relationship mm-hmm. uh, to where they don't even say happy birthday to each other anymore they just send automated emails and he's like I want to end it like I wanted to leave this world but every time I try there's I get a glimpse of something beautiful that just keeps me holding on and he says maybe that's just something the brain events to to survive yeah and the, and Manny the dead the dead guy says yeah like maybe your brain invented me to distract you from the fact that eventually your eyes are going to stop blinking and your mouth will stop chewing mm-hmm. and it goes on to saying like death is the end and we know that's not true yeah there's, there's a heaven and, and there's there's glory but this idea that when when we with we talk about the, uh, already being distra- distracting ourselves from the uncomfort, but also distracting ourselves from our own loneliness or what we're dealing with, but also taking on someone else's. So he tries to fix a dead guy, um, and we sometimes see someone and we're like, "I'm going to fix you," and we can't do that. We can't even necessarily like make someone under like make someone understand that god can do that we can try we can introduce them to jesus we can introduce them to these Mm -hmm. things but we can't make anybody do anything yeah um and and we have like humility is not only humility within ourselves to to god and his his healing but humility is even knowing that like we can only do so much for someone else yeah yeah and um and ultimately that's sort of the thing right when we start putting our stock in things that aren't God, even if it's another person, a good, holy person, we we risk we risk finding out that that person isn't fulfilling the needs that they can't fulfill. You know, we're putting an undue burden on them. So one of the things I kind of want to side tangent on is just uh, here's just a few facts, actually, just about mental health um, that I had sort of looked up because one of the themes of the the movie is obviously uh, Hank is going a little bit crazy. From his prolonged isolation um, and they had found that after just a few hours of isolation um, it can lead to distorted perceptions of time higher levels of anxiety and even hallucinations uh, case studies of prisoners kept in solitary confinement also indicate that a lack of human contact can lead to cognitive breakdown right and so uh, the dangers of prolonged uh, isolation right so Studies show that a lack of social connections can increase the risk of death by at least 50%, while in some cases, prolonged isolation can increase the risk of mortality by more than 90%. Um, It can be linked to higher blood pressure and cardiovascular disease, vulnerability to infections, uh, and an overactive immune response. 
Uh, it can obviously affect our mental and emotional health as well as our physical well-being without enough social interaction for a long enough period of time because it's always said like if you if you go without any human interaction for a long amount of time. Um, without enough human inter social interaction, you may be at risk of cognitive decline, the onset of Alzheimer's disease or dementia, depression, neuroticism, or hallucinations. And so I had kind of read that and it reminded me that we are made for communion. Oh yeah. Like we as human beings are made for communion. That even though that other person is not going to be able to fulfill our loneliness, that, that God has created us for communion and that leads to community. That even the most fundamental part of society, which is the domestic church, which is the family, is a communion of, of individuals. That we are drawn to other people and that we cannot live life alone. And that it's actually through others that we are sanctified, which I think is a kind of a beautiful thing, that God yeah. uses those around us to actually increase in us holiness. Um, St. Benedict actually profoundly sort of discovered that when he wrote the rule of St. Benedict, right? When he sort of becomes the father of Western monasticism, in a certain sense, uh, it was always sort of viewed that being a hermit, being completely isolated from others was the true path to holiness. And he lived as a hermit before people approached him to live in community. And there was a document circulating around the same time called the Rule of the Master. And the Rule of the Master basically said that being a hermit, being completely isolated from the others is the only real path to holiness. But if you're not basically strong enough or deep enough in your faith to live that, then okay, here's some rules to live in community. And when you read the rule of St. Benedict, it actually sometimes takes exact quotes from the rule of the master, but it flips it on its head. And it actually shows, and there's actually a little bit of sarcasm at the end of it, because one of the things that St. Benedict realizes is it's actually kind of easier to live by yourself in terms of you're not actually being called out. You're not being called to hire. There's not somebody else that's like presenting your... Um, your sort of inadequacies or your uh, your failures and presenting them back to you to help you grow. And that community actually allows us deeper senses of communion. And so, yeah, and so that's like one of the things that, that kind of struck me with this loneliness is that for a lot of people, they're being prolonged isolation from others. Um, and so we can, in a certain sense, grow in a deeper communion with Christ through quarantine. But I think it's also important that we make sure that we're reaching out to those people in our lives that yeah. we may not have others because they are going through an incredibly difficult time. My heart goes out to those that are living alone right now or even those who are living with others but feel alone. Right. Yeah, I think uh, I think what's amazing, just, just like I just thought about this when it comes to loneliness is one like you said we're made for communion mm -hmm. and we see that in this movie where Hank who is isolated for we don't really know how long but also isolated before he got lost because like I said his, his mom passed he's we know he's just desiring love and his dad and him don't just don't talk because they can't talk about the subject at hand which is their, their his wife and his mom passed away mm -hmm. um, and he's alone to the point that he starts talking to a dead guy yeah. Like, that's how much he desires communion. Mm -hmm. And the dead guy, I mean, it, Manny tells him he's beautiful for the first time, even when he's dressed up like a girl. Yeah. And 
he he's first like no and he's like wait really and like he takes a comment because he's never heard like mm-hmm. these nice words and he desires all these good things and so it's it's cool because loneliness is is a tool that we can use where like we are we we require communion but not just with anybody mm-hmm. we need to be around people that elevate us yeah. and, and lift us up if you are in a community where you have a group of friends or whatever and you still feel feel alone then there's something going on and you need yeah. to look in at that loneliness because god is telling you something so from for hank he was alone and in that god was saying you were made for 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 greater you are beautiful yeah. like you are loved mm-hmm. even though you don't feel loved you are all these things that you don't seem to be receiving maybe you have like a, a father figure who's lacking but you have God the Father who like loves you. You have all these things, and if you really just do that rather than distract yourself from this loneliness, like he never received that message because he just kept distracting himself. He never really wanted to talk about yeah. it. He kept ignoring it. And it wasn't until at the end where he was like, I have someone, or I have people that care about me. I know like I'm worth something. Even though he was in like handcuffs, he was, a, he was free. And yeah. so if, if you feel alone, um, it's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. But using that as a tool in your prayer and mm-hmm. discernment because God is telling you something in that. Yeah. That there's more for you. Exactly. And um, one of the things that's interesting with Hank is throughout the whole movie with Hank and Manny, there is this uh, this girl, because he has a picture on his phone of this girl that he's basically infatuated with on the bus. And at first you're like, maybe that's his girlfriend because it's just a girl picture on a phone. And then you start learning that it's this girl on the bus that he's never talked to and then towards the end of the movie, spoiler alert, he like finally reconnects with enough that like, he actually gets a signal, and he goes on what appears to be sort of like an Instagram. Yeah. And, he, and the woman's in a relationship and has a child and a husband, and so in a certain sense, like Hank is dealing with this like, like he's infatuated. He has this like unrequited love, and like I think that 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 also drives like a deeper wedge into his loneliness that he misses his mother. Um, and he has this loneliness already, and then he just faces more isolation or loneliness or uh, feelings of inadequacy. And, and, and kind of getting to what you're talking about with Christ is that, like, one of the beautiful things with Christ's life on earth is that there is no suffering that he has not endured, right? That even Christ's longing for us, right? How often does Christ love me so fully and so completely, and yet I don't reciprocate? right? Um, That I don't always love Christ back in the way that he does. And then going kind of back to what you were talking about when you're talking about sort of God's love for us is, you know, when I'm, when I was sort of like reading uh, Return of the Prodigal Son is that ultimately, I had heard this said before that sometimes we're the prodigal son and sometimes we're the older son, but we're always called to be the father. That we're always called to have the heart of the Father, the, the loving heart, right? We are called to love as Christ loved. We're called to love with that sort of agape, self-sacrificing, unconditional love um, that's sometimes really hard. Yeah. And something that I, I had I had been reflecting on recently because I think sometimes it's it's hard to give of ourselves, it's hard to be vulnerable, right? And um and it's hard to sort of 
be lonely or to deal with others and like you're married so you know the difficulties of sometimes right relationship with others and obviously it's it's new but like this is a thing right like you're learning like i am not married but i have a new roommate and he's a great guy but there's like moments where it's like okay like we are trying to sort of learn how to live together right um and how do we like live and love rightly in these sorts of situations and sometimes it's really hard and sometimes like we endure heartbreak in these moments and something that i've always been drawn back to in prayer is that you know christ suffered more than just a broken heart on the way to the cross you know that that the cross is not an easy path um but it's the most worthwhile one and to love like christ loves is not always going to be easy but it's always going to be worthwhile yeah um i i knew a girl in college who and, and it sort of touches on this a little bit where uh he and i forget like how old he was at the time he was like five maybe seven at the most and he was this little 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 guy you know she had mentioned to him one time she was like oh she was like really hurting about something and she was just like life's not fair and this like five or seven year old was like yeah life's not always fair but it's always worth it or it's life's not always fair but it's always good right I was like, man, this like seven-year-old's got like more wisdom than I have at the time, like twenty-one. Uh, but I just think there's something there that that like Christ, because of His love for us, we sometimes think that God is so distant, or that we're alone in our loneliness, or we're alone in our heartbreak, or we're alone in our sort of isolation. But that our God, the God revealed to us in Scripture, does not leave us alone that he actually enters in to our suffering, that he endures our suffering and takes it upon himself. And when we allow ourselves to be united to him, he comes into our suffering and consoles us. Yeah. That he is the one who doesn't just love the brokenhearted, but walks with the brokenhearted. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, to kind of touch on everything we've kind of talked about one thing that comes to mind um is especially in in marriage but just it's in relationships is 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 knowing that like god still comes before Mm -hmm. lizzie yeah like that's something that chris always says it's really profound for me and i know it's like obvious but like you can't just put stock in my wife or my husband is the most important thing it it's there's still a tear of Mm -hmm. of god husband or wife kids yeah and 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 knowing that and and so it goes to what you just said of like allowing god in first to console us um so that we can be elevated in in communion with with all these things but then also knowing that that's not going to be easy yeah like in that there's going to be even more loneliness Mm -hmm. and despair like in one one way to understand that is to look at uh the parents of jesus yeah joseph you know, and then even Mary. Joseph was alone in that he was the father and wife and husband to Mary and, G- and Jesus. And yeah, like like when something went wrong in that relationship, it was definitely his fault. Right. Like he's the one with concupiscence. Yeah, and then and then Mary, who who through her holiness and mm-hmm. through living out, all, you know, all perfected virtues, mm-hmm. her heart was pierced. Yeah, she has seven sorrows. She has moments where she is torn and alone mm-hmm. and and hurting yeah. because she is following Christ. Amen. And so that's going to happen too. And so 
Um, as we kind of wrap this up, what do we make of all this? Yeah. I, one thing I just want to say. No, go ahead. Sort of wrap yeah. it up. I meant like. You yeah. Say, you still you still have a soapbox to stand on. Yeah. No, I love being on soap. <laughs> like anyone who knows me knows that I just like to rant about things. I'm blessed to have friends still. I will say that what you were talking about with with sometimes we we put it i had had it put one time actually that you know we sometimes elevate things above god that we put things before right. god that that um we were just talking about this like last week right or yeah, two week- yeah a couple yeah. weeks ago yeah like that that's like sometimes we can put even like marriage or the idea of marriage or like good and holy things in the place of god and that's not glorifying him in any way so Father Mike Schmitz, he's talking about sort of discernment in one of his videos, and he kind of talks about this sort of issue that, that obviously our main call is the universal call to holiness. We are all called to Christ. We are all called to be saints. And then we have our main vocation, right, with marriage, religious life, the priesthood. And those are about the primary relationship by which we achieve our primary vocation. Mm-hmm. And then we have the last level of the sermon, which is sort of like the daily, what do you want me to do today? Like, what do you want me to do right now, God? Right. But that primary relationship, that, that we cannot forget that our spouse, you know, our future spouse, our, uh, our friend, our, our marriage, our even, um, even necessarily like if you were like a priest or religious, even your community or, or your congregation, right, are not the most important thing, that it's our relationship with Christ that's ultimately the most important, and that we are participating in Christ's love, that you, with Lizzie, get to allow Christ to love your spouse through you as she loves, as as Christ loves you through her. But the only way that works is when we keep Christ at the forefront, that we remember that he is the primary mover in all of our relationships, that love stems from him, and that he is the most important. Um, one of the things, kind of to quote a little bit of St. Augustine, um, and then and kind of kind of talk about this, is in the very beginning, when man and women were created, mm-hmm. there was this sense of Adam looked at Eve, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Uh, and Eve looked at Adam. And they saw Adam, and Eve saw Adam, and Adam saw Eve, but they were almost sacramental to each other they pointed back to God for each other. Like that's right relationship. And in and, and sort of to quote St. Augustine, it was like, my heart is restless until it rests in you, God. And they knew that. But what ended up happening when sin entered is, is they no longer saw God through that person. That it was my heart is restless until it rests in you, Eve. Or my heart is restless until it rests in you, Adam. And they're and God was removed from that relationship, and it, it fundamentally broke it down. It it um, removed them from their source. Yeah. And ultimately, like that led to an isolation. And Tanada to, to side tangent completely, original uh, original loneliness, original sort of isolation. This this sort of sense of Adam before Eve. John Paul II actually talks a lot about that in theology of the body. Surprisingly enough, because it. And not to like get too much into it, but that that space for being alone was important for Adam to like recognize his own subjectivity, like who he was as a person, like that he was himself, and that, um, and that it's 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 through that so that loneliness actually allows us the chance to 
understand communion in a fuller sense. Yes. Like God doesn't, God does not want us to be alone. Yeah. Uh, and you see that also in the creation mm-hmm. story where, yeah. And it finally says, and God realized man was, man was alone mm-hmm. and that was not good. Yeah. Everything was good up until this point. It was good. It was good. It was very good. And but that was not. Yeah. And so he created Eve mm-hmm. um, and he creates these things and so that we can see yeah. what communion is, looks like. We can see and understand and uh, connect with in a relationship with 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 Jesus and God and all, yeah. and, and these things. Yeah, yeah, that loneliness draws us to each other. Yeah, and draws us even further into the heart of God. Right. As long, I mean, you need to be careful. We need to be careful. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm alone. You're alone. Let's be alone together. Mm-hmm. You don't want to sit with that. Yeah. But but that, like you just said, loneliness calls us in to each other. So that we could be uh, uh, accountable, we could be um, brothers and sisters to each other, and elevate our, uh, each other's eyes back to God. Exactly. Yeah. Not looking at each other for help, being like, "Hey, I'm I'm here. Don't forget, like you're not alone." Yeah. Exactly. And and, and it's, it's ultimately to draw us ever closer yeah. into the heart of God. Yeah. And um. And so I guess I mean, there's so much we can get dig into. I mean, on, honestly, we could talk about this. I know. even longer it, there's just there's so much and for me i see a culture and this is kind of why i wanted to talk about this i see a culture that i believe and not just because of quarantine but i believe is is a culture of profound love a profound loneliness that that the poverty of our modern world is our disconnection from god and our disconnection from each other yeah that we live in a society where we are we have phones and we can be so connected and yet more often than not i look at like millennial and gen z culture literally about to talk about that yeah, yeah like i watch that and i just like you go on reddit and you're just you see the profound loneliness yeah of those young men and women and, and so that's what i think moved my heart to to see that and then to also know that those people those individuals those humans those human beings those people who are are infinitely loved by their creator are feeling that way and now they're isolated and mental health is really struggling in these times of quarantine and isolation and suicide rates are higher and i would be remiss if i if i if i didn't stand on my soapbox and just try to give a message of hope to those people to remind them that they are loved that they are not alone and that christ's heart yearns for them eternally That from the moment everything began, from the moment of creation, from the from the beginning of all, Christ had that person, God had that person formed in their mind, that knew them, had planned for them, and had loved them from the very beginning. And so, if you if you don't have anything else, I suppose we should give a challenge. Yeah, we still do that, right? We do. I I have I have been off the podcast (laughs) a long time, and I'm the woat, so I don't actually ever like (laughs) listen to our podcasts. We do a ton of new things now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Okay. (laughs) Yes, a challenge. So, do you have a a challenge? I do. To the lonely. I do. My challenge is twofold. One, we cannot forget to go to our primary relationship. A lot of churches are closed. Some ch- some places are open, some places are not. So it's probably going to be very difficult for most people to go to some sort of adoration. But if you have access to it, certainly think about it. Obviously don't do anything you're not comfortable with. 
if you live with or are in contact with somebody who is more vulnerable, probably not a good idea to go. But one of the things I think you can do is maybe venerate the cross at home. Uh, if you have a crucifix at home or, or even if, gosh, you pull up a picture of a crucifix on your phone, but just sit before Christ and contemplate him and allow yourself to be drawn into him. Allow your sufferings and loneliness to be drawn to him. But also, one of the things with our faith is not just to, to be filled. Like Obviously, we need to be filled first, but that love needs to outpour. And so what I would say is do that. Allow Christ to fill you. Allow Christ to heal you. Allow him to wrap you up in love. Allow our, our Holy Mother Mary to wrap you in her mantle. Just allow yourself to be wrapped in the love of God and Mary and, and then reach out. Think of somebody in your life you haven't talked to in a while, that you haven't talked to since quarantine began. Um, somebody that maybe you know is living alone or... Uh, maybe it's just a family member you haven't you haven't been able to connect with and, and allow yourself to be drawn into the heart of God to be loved and then return that love outpour that into others just reach out to somebody in these difficult times and remind them that they're not alone and that they are loved do you have anything to add yeah my challenge is there's a cool exercise in um, a book set in seven habits of highly effective people mm -hmm. where you break up your your day or your week into roles so mm. like one of my you know roles would be as a son of god mm. one of my roles would be as husband mm. as missionary as mm. director of 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 shrine and so you know yours could be or even one of my roles would be as a, a son to my parents and as a brother to my siblings so like we mm. all have multiple roles we play and so like making a list of all the roles that you play and then looking at each role and asking yourself, do I feel alone mm. in any of these? Mm. And if so, like, mark it, like, next to it. Yeah. And then start asking the question, why? Why do I feel alone? And you might not, and I would do this, it would be great to combine the two, to go to adoration mm -hmm. or vent at the cross while doing this, you know, mm -hmm. in prayer. And uh, you might not get an answer, but in the end, just say, God, give me the humility to understand that that's okay. Give me the humility to understand that I'm not really alone. And then to offer that up. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really all I had. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, well, I we still have lots of social we media. We still do. Yeah. Things. Do you have, uh, before we do? Do you have any shoutouts? Ooh, good question. Shout out anybody in a while? Uh, I haven't shouted out anyone in a long time. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to shout out Bryce Wingate, who has been just one of the the best men and sort of just most genuine people that I know and who has actually today before I came here we tried to go to adoration but they were having mass in the adoration chapel so we're <laughs> going to go later but this is a man who is married and his wife is like super pregnant and is the best and he's just like yeah let's just go to adoration because he knew like that's something that's been on my heart and that I that I've really wanted to do um recently because I haven't been able to go uh and he's just, I just want to shout him out because he's just been a very good friend to me in recent recent weeks. Other than that, I would like to shout out the Seckforts who reached out to me in quarantine and offered to have dinner with me because they knew they didn't want me to just be alone. Uh, they, they were very, they, they stepped outside of themselves and sort of their own fears surrounding COVID 
to to show me some love, which I which I very much appreciated, uh, as well as also the Matlers who have done very similar things. And so I think those are sort of my shout outs. Sweet uh, for this week. Yeah, uh, I really only have um, one, and it's Lizzie, my wife. Uh, Your lovely wife, yes. Steve kept bringing that up in this podcast, but also uh, no the the day this is coming out. It'll be the day after her birthday. Oh, happy birthday to her. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The reason I keep bringing it up is I think this is the first time you guys have been married since I've been on the podcast. No, this is true. Yeah, I haven't been on in a long time. Uh, The other thing I want to shout out is, um, I think, History in the Making. I haven't seen it, but I'm going to put it on air. Uh, Let's see. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three... Wow. It's been 2011 was the last time we had a space flight into space. And now after 2011 was when it was just like NASA was kind of shut down with mm-hmm. funding and stuff. It's been nine years. SpaceX just launched today. And uh, that could be huge. Yeah. So really exciting stuff. In the, in um, and the, let's like pray for those astronauts and their safety. Yeah. Because it's I mean, scary stuff. You know, I mean, it's like literally leaving Earth, you know. <laughs> Talk about isolation. Yeah. That was the other movie we almost did. Yeah, Moon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, so otherwise, thank you guys for joining us this week. You guys know where to typically find us, but if you don't, we have a website, thechristinculture.com. You can find all these episodes, other episodes that Steve's on. If you're like, who's this Steve guy? He's done great episodes. So go check those out. And we have a, you can find us on Facebook where you can chat with us and let us know how we're doing or re- request topics. That's Facebook forward slash The Christ in Culture. We have a Twitter at on the adventure two and we've been lately it's something we uh, clint kind of came up with us and we've been doing it that during this time if you want to support us we have a patreon uh we are asking you not to we're currently asking you to to put those if you have uh, finances that you want to put somewhere put them there's so much other need out there right now mm-hmm. um and we've been saying that because of quarantine but now there's a lot of other stuff going on too and there's there's just other p- people that need it way more than we do. Yeah. So I mean, so many churches are suffering and having to lay people off. I work for a nonprofit. I right. know how how difficult that is. Right. Right now. Also, I think I want to add something else to that because obviously we have many ways for you to contact us. Yeah. But in light of what we're talking about here, if you are listening and you're feeling alone and you just want somebody to talk to, feel free to email us. And if Clinton Gordon are frustrated i will i will be the one who replies i don't think i've ever replied to an email <laughs> or one of our social media anythings um, but i will actually do that i will i will uh, i will be your friend for however many weeks left in isolation hashtag make steve respond yeah uh, yeah you, on the website there's a place where it says contact and you can send something there um, otherwise if you yeah. want it our email is the christ culture at gmail.com yeah yeah awesome Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. I'm sure 
Steve will be on another podcast where we can talk more on this theology of loneliness. Yeah. I think we've just scratched the surface. So, yeah, this is kind of like when I was like, I'm going to do a podcast on Brave New World. <clears throat> you should check that one out. Uh, and I did two, and I still feel like there's so much I could have done. But otherwise, we will see you guys next week. Gordon certainly probably doesn't miss all of my ums that he has to edit out. It's fine. I'm 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 good with it. Right. Uh, uh um uh um uh um 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 um